This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Welcome to this special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Katie Balls. So it does look like the Prime Minister has had a slight stay of execution, but he is still thinking about how he can survive in this situation and how much longer he can do that for. Now, James, in your Times column this week, you've written about all the different ways in which the Conservative Party essentially hold the Prime Minister hostage right now. What can Boris Johnson pay as ransom? So Boris Johnson is meeting lots of Tory MPs in his office in the House of Commons and they turn up with demands and they're often quite sweeping demands. Boris Johnson you know, basically says he's heard them, listens, he'll try and do something about them. And I think there is an interesting question here, which is, is this the equivalent of Charles de Gaulle saying in 1958, you know, je vous ai compris, which, you know, I have understood you, which the Pied Noir and the military thought meant that he would never see agree to Algerian independence. Mm-hmm. He obviously <laughs> didn't actually say that. And a few years later, he's negotiating Algerian independence. So is Boris Johnson just saying to these, all these MPs, oh, yeah, 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 good point, good point, good point. And they're not actually going to follow through on what they're asking for. Or are we going to see him doing more and more stuff to try and please them. So I think there is some small stuff he can do, you know, do. I thought it was quite funny when Mike Penning, the veteran MP, got up in the House of Commons and said, I was going to ask you about a new hospital for Hemel Hempstead, his constituency, but I got a meeting with you on Tuesday night, so I don't need to do that anymore. And I mean, that gives you a little flavour of these things. But I think the more difficult thing for Boris Johnson is that Tory MPs don't all want the same things. Mm. So, to take two issues. There are lots of Tory MPs who are like, get rid of all the, what David Cameron once called the green crap. You know, you know, get rid of all the renewable subsidies, all that stuff, and that will lower bills in the here and now. You know, there are people who like the idea of that. But then, there are a whole bunch of environmentally conscious Tory MPs who think that that would be a supremely short-sighted thing to do because it would harm all the UK's progress on, on renewable energy and, you know... But that is very short-sighted because you know, this is ultimately, you need more renewables if you're in a world where gas prices are structurally higher because China is moving from coal to gas. You know, you need other sources of energy. And so, you know, ending those kind of contracts for difference and things like that would be bad news. Then to take an even bigger potato, take the national insurance rise coming in. That is designed to basically both fund the attempts to clear the NHS backlog and Boris Johnson's new social care policy. Lots of Tory MPs say, scrap it, scrap it, scrap it, that would help on the cost of living front. Yeah, you can scrap it, and all those people who've been agitating for it in the Daily Mail, which have been campaigning for it, would be very happy. But on the flip side of the ledger, you would then have a situation where all those Tory MPs who want a sustainable solution to social care, like Jeremy Hunt, would be like, well, we're back at square one, because you've just cancelled the thing that was meant to pay for it. Now, there is a kind of possible other alternative that Boris Johnson says he's just delaying the increase so you know yes in the long run he's going to do this but he's just not going to do it this April I think it's one of those things which is if you're not doing it you know always you know manana 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 so I think that the challenge for Boris Johnson is that he will try and please his MPs but often what they want is contradictory and you can't please both of them and then also I think that my the first sorry I know it's a very long answer I think the other thing which I would say is one of the reasons for the problems Boris Johnson is having right now is during the Tory leadership race, 
he gave lots of hints and nudges to people about either policies or their own personal prospects, which people feel have not happened. And so I think one of his problems is the things he is suggesting and the indications he is giving, he will have to act on very quickly because people will not be inclined to say in a year's time, oh, we're probably still working on that. Because, you know, I said in the magazine this week that, you know, when he asked one grandee for that support, this grandee pointed out all the assurances Boris had given him in the past and how, but they hadn't been honoured. So why should he mm. think that these ones would be? And I think that is another problem for the Prime Minister right now. Mm. And Katie, what James is talking about is slightly more medium term Operation Red Meat, but we saw Operation Red Meat already earlier this month and that didn't really seem to work very well. So, so what's the difference this time, do you think? Yeah, well, we know some of the things that they think could fall into this when it comes to policies to throw at MPs. So we had Nadine Doris talking tough on the BBC once again, suggesting the licence fee, you know, this could be the last time it had moved to a different model. But then seeming to water down those comments as soon as she was in the comments chamber slightly. And I think, to be honest, I think when it comes to the BBC, this government has a tendency whenever it is in trouble to talk about privatising the BBC. (laughs) And there's only so many times you can do something like that without backing it up with actions or you know suggesting you're going near it so and also I think what's quite interesting is if you look at the One Nation faction in the Tory party so that caucus which you'd have probably about 90 in it but maybe 40 really active members they all generally speaking quite unhappy about this idea of BBC bashing I think they think it's unhelpful to the Tory coalition as it sits and if you think about some of these you know blue wall seats Lib Dem Tory marginals talking about shutting down the BBC it might help you in some of these red wall seats but if you look at other parts of the Tory coalition it's going to do the opposite and it's going to play into this narrative and they're already quite worried about someone like Boris Johnson as leader mm. so I think that you see the problems in that sense and I also think on Red Meat you know they talk about how Boris Johnson has talked about this and before actually Partygate row really kicked off around the time Owen Patterson ran so many rows when they're having MPs in Downing Street to meet with him remember the 2019 intake went around and he said, you know, we, you know, we've done the vaccine program, we delivered Brexit, and the next thing is we're going to turn the boats around. Now we've heard the Prime Minister a few weeks ago has taken personal control of the migrant boats crisis. I think he has done that previously. <laughs> but it's such a hard problem to solve. I think some of the things they're alleging are going to help, you know, to win back MPs on side. They're not easy fixes. And it's not just that Pretty Patel can't come up with a solution mm. to that. So, so I think that even the things that you might be able to get a quick headline from, sometimes those things are actually the hardest thing to really show you've made any progress on in a few months' time, which is one of the issues with it. On the BBC, I think that there was particular irritation because, first of all, I don't think the policy in terms of a licence fee for these three years is any different than, than what was in train. But Nadine Doris is one of Boris Johnson's loyalist cabinet allies, you know, one of the, the few cabinet ministers who you see aggressively out on the <laughs> airways defending him. You know, it's her, it's Jacob Rees-Mogg, it's Priti Patel are the most kind of, you know, ready to go out there. She put a, a kind of very kind of anti-BBC spin on it. I mean, that caused a lot of anger because the deal with the BBC had been that this would be portrayed as a cost of living measure rather than an anti-BBC measure. You saw Therese Coffey, the Work and Pension Secretary, saying in Cabinet, like, where did this come from? And there was a kind of sense that this hadn't been agreed as government policy. I also just think on the politics, you know, yes, there are Tory activists who get very worked up about the BBC. There are also people in the media who get worked up about the BBC because, you know, the BBC can behave like an elephant, right? It kind of clod hops around the place. But I think in pure electoral terms, and this is a point that Frank Luntz, the American pollster, always makes, you know, 
normal people don't think of the BBC in terms of its political biases or, or, or vote those kind of stories. They think of it in terms of Strictly Come Dancing, Match of a Day, all of those kind of things. And I don't think you want to be in an election campaign with Labour saying, you know, vote for us to save Strictly, right? You know, this is not, you know, ultimately there is a kind of limitation to how effective this is. The other point which Katie makes, which I think is so right, is that... On, for example, small votes, the government has consistently overpromised and underdelivered. And the problem is that you know the benefits you get from this reduce the longer you have been in office. So if in December 2019 or January 2020, Boris Johnson had said, I am putting the Navy in charge of operations in the Channel, I think people would have said, oh, the Navy is going to be in charge of operations in the Channel. The problem now is it just doesn't have that impact. And there's also the other problem, which is the Navy cannot do anything differently from what border force have been doing in terms of you know they're not going to kind of turn the boats around by firing broadsides at them or whatever you know this is this is still not going to solve this problem that they have I think the, the problem with all this stuff is he is now at this phase and this is why midterms are always difficult for governments when people are saying yeah yeah show me don't tell me I, I want I want to see you actually doing it rather than telling me that this is what your ambition is or your aim is mm. Katie do we see movement in number 10 to actually do that like is, is the policy unit not just talking about it but actually thinking about ways to deliver some of these things that will please MPs and partly I guess the question is does the system in number 10 work well enough at the moment in order to deliver that well I think there's been complaints about the policy unit in 10 Downing Street really since Boris Johnson first entered number 10 I think that you've seen aides come and go and have said well you know it's not performing as it should do I think in an office like number 10 everyone's you know blame this department it's not my department and so forth often the comms team for example is blamed for a lot of things and I always have a slight sympathy there in the sense that I think that communications that can only do so much you need you need something okay to sell something that makes sense so you can have bad comms there's plenty of examples of it but there's also bad policy. Yeah. There's, like, for example, if you look at you know various things like Owen Patterson, you can mishandle the comms, but some things are very hard to do good comms on. I think that number ten is seen as quite dysfunctional, but you also have you know policy drivers in various departments. So I think the leveling up white paper, for example, which we're expecting mm. potentially next week, is interesting because that is being driven not by Ten Downing Street. That's being driven by Michael Gove, Neil O'Brien, leveling up minister, but. Part of the problem with that is ultimately when those figures went in, it was after the comprehensive spending review. So they're having to work with the money already assigned. They can try and move money around a bit, but there are limits to it. And therefore on policy, I just think that so much of this is departmental, but you also have a situation where just on migrant boats, it's a near impossible problem Mm. to solve in in a way that is light touch are not going to take the you know the full government's impact and also there's reasons that we find it harder to follow Australia so I think given Boris Johnson has had such a difficult time bringing in effective policies and actually fleshing out his core domestic agenda betting the house in terms of repairing the Boris Johnson government on Operation Red Meat is is quite risky and probably quite optimistic to believe it's going to work. James and Katie, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening to the Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. Now, remember, if you like our political analysis, you can subscribe to the Evening Blend newsletter at spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. 